Hello survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 77 of the show and in this edition we take a direct flight into Harvardville to face down Bioterror with the series' first CGI motion picture, Resident Evil Degeneration. My name is Sai and joining me on the panel this week, I'm going to literally quote him for this one because it made me laugh so much. For just £3 a month you can give Leon a personality, it's Moist Owler aka James. Greg! <laughs> Last seen waiting in Harvardville Airport holding one of those big signs that says Bloodborne 2 on it, you know, for several years. It's Fire Button Steve Valance. Oh wow, I feel so called out right now. Hi everybody. <laughs> and our special guest for this episode, she's an artist, a streamer, a podcaster, but none of these compared to the bravery of going to bat for RE6 in Crimson Head's Resident Evil Wars 2. It's Jen Von Lee. Hello! I will fight. I will fight anyone that says anything bad about Resident Evil 6. It's the greatest <laughs> game of all time. First Aid Spray is recorded in front of a live Discord server audience, so join now to hear the show early and unedited and to become part of our wonderful little community where we discuss life, the universe and Resident Evil. You can find it at the server and all of our social media links at our website, fasprayPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise store, which has the brand new Praise the Moth t-shirt, and our Patreon page. First Aid Spray is nothing without our supporters. Tiers begin at just $1 a month with a host of benefits. Head over to patreon.com forward slash fa spray pod to support the show um housekeeping from us we have a a, a, (laughs) i guess we should say we had a new patreon so thank you for your one month of support before you used to get addled i'm gonna say your name anyway because it's the nice thing to do lion lockhart thank you for your uh, your brief support (laughs) thank you to everyone for your continued support patrons now have as of yesterday the latest episode of tear death experience which is Steve, Kelsey and Sherwin ranking every B.O.W. from Resident Evil 2, both the original and the remake. It's a bit of a bumper episode, that one. So if you've got over two hours to spare, and if you're listening to First Aid Spray, you probably have a lot of two hours to spare because that's kind of what we do. Uh, You can check that out now if you're a Mastermind Patreon. Meanwhile, over on our YouTube, we dropped... The latest episode of Now That's What I Call Survival Horror, and I know I've said it before, but I've been waiting to do this one for a long time. It's Resident Evil Director's Cut Dual Shock, the top 10 tracks from that soundtrack, which, uh, yeah, not enough people cover that, in my opinion, so it's uh, it's always fun to dig into it. Um, let's cycle back round to our guest, Jen, uh, who, as I've alluded to there, Steve and I previously worked with on the latest Resident Evil Wars on Crimson Head, but before we get to what you do as part of, you know, the Resident Evil community and stuff like that, uh, Jen, what was your first Resident Evil experience? How did you first get into the series? Oh, I'm as old as the stars, so um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I got in on the ground floor. I got um, the f- very first game uh, for my 16th birthday in 1996, um, and so yeah, I played. I played that, um, and was like, yeah, that's a good zombie game. I'm into horror. This is cool. But I didn't really, really, really get into it until Resident Evil 4 came out. So I'm one of the rare species that's oh, like nice. not all about the fixed camera and mm. so that. I kind of offer a, a different perspective on things. So yeah, I love the early games, but 4 is where I really became, yeah, this is my series. See, and I say this every time, it's why I love asking that question because everyone has like a really different story. It's really usually people who started at Resident Evil 1, as you say, most of them will go, yeah, those ones are my jam. So that's that's really unique. Yeah, I was a Silent Hill fan right, more okay. than I was a Resident Evil fan until four happened, and then I was like, oh, actually, no, this is the one because I'm kind of a more action-oriented player. 
Mm. So I, I like to be able to move around and shoot things very quickly rather than being fixed on a on a path that I can go. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Um, and as I said at the top, there is a bunch of stuff that you do online, artwork, you're your own streamer, you also stream with various voice actors um, and uh, Crimson Head podcast as well. I don't know if you want to talk about any of that stuff. So you, the, the floor is yeah, yours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 what do people want to know? I, I, I sort of... Uh, Stumbled into working with Nicole Tompkins on her getting her stream off the ground in 2020. Um, and uh, she found out that I used to be a community manager for a WWE guy mm-hmm. and was like, oh, would you help me? And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is fine. And I've been kind of her sidekick, Siri, <laughs> voicing the clouds ever since, which has kind of led to Stephanie and Nick and Maggie all being like, can you help me? <laughs> So I've kind of become this virus within the <laughs> voice actor <laughs> that just starts spreading from one to another. And then, like, I have Andre asking me if I can do things, and I'm like, I really have no more hours left in the mm. day. I'm sorry. I can but, um, yeah, I try I try to just help people and be quiet in the background, and, except for Nicole, who wants me on shouting <laughs> and telling her how to play games. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that's pretty much what I do. And then, yeah, now it's all kind of like I'm trying to do my own thing and be like, I'm not used to being the person out front. I'm mm. used to being the sidekick. So starting up my own stream, I started in October, is just like really nerve wracking. And like, oh God, I have to be in front. But mm. I'm trying and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. It's going okay at the moment. It's, it, it's I played Bloodborne on Monday. Nice. I've seen you posting a lot about it, uh, obviously, over the last few months, which is really cool, because I can relate to that somewhat in the sense that streaming isn't something that I'm necessarily 100% comfortable with all the time, especially by myself. Um, But it's one of those things, isn't it, where it's like, you kind of have to push yourself, because it's good for your growth, you know, as a creative person. It's, you don't, you can't get better at something unless you do it. Yeah. Eventually, I want to stream my art as well, because obviously, I I, I draw. Um, Mm. But getting it, I've got, I'm like, working with such a limited space. Mm-hmm. that I don't quite know how to set it up where I could have my space to draw because I'm a bit of a chaotic artist. I'm just like moving paper around all the time. <laughs> I can't I can't be one of those ones that just sits there in front of a piece of paper that's stapled to a wall. I can't do it. It's, <laughs> my paper's got to be upside down. It's got to be around the side. So, you know, it's like, I'm trying to figure out how to do that, but I'm sure I'll so figure it out eventually. You, basically, like you were saying about fixed camera resi, you can't have fixed camera art stream. You need no. someone with a camera there to track your movement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm going to hire someone to come and film me draw. <laughs> cool. Okay, uh, let's jump into a rather brief uh, edition of the Resident Evil news. I don't know, we don't have a jingle. Why we do, do have a jingle, time? Steve. You make no, one up, but we have one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's enthusiasm, you know, I'm just so excited. We've got such riveting news stories as uh, Resident Evil 2 2019 is coming to Game Pass. <laughs> yeah, we, we almost got uh, through an episode without any news at all, but this literally uh, was announced uh, in the okay. last couple of days. There is an extra thing to this. Mm. Um, if you are one of those crazy people who, I'm not using Steam, I'm not using the Epic Game Store, but I'm going to use the Xbox PC Store, RE2 <laughs> 2019 is going to be added to that as a technically new release. So, uh, yeah, right. I, I guess you could argue that this is a... Uh, it's a win for more availability on PC platforms. Yes. Uh, but that's really it, isn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. I mean... I've got, so, got so much to say about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, 
I was just surprised that it wasn't already on Game Pass. It's mm. literally about to turn five years old in a matter of weeks. Uh, so I'm shocked that it wasn't on there already. But okay, cool, I guess. Yeah, James, please add your enthusiastic opinion about this. I do not. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Jen, any thoughts on uh, Remake 2 on Game Pass? Woohoo! <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I already have it on everything else, so I right. suppose I'll probably just download it on that as well. So true. Like, yay! I, I'm one of those people that buys the games on like every platform if yeah. I can. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I'm not a Game Pass user, and I wouldn't need it anyway. But yeah, and mm. Steve, as you said, in terms of the PC thing, like it's good that it's more available. But most people probably already have it at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best-selling <laughs> game in the series, so. Resident yeah. Evil Hoarders Unite. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's um, I don't think it's like a distinction between it being you know the Japanese have like the uh, the the extreme violence version and the non extreme Z- violence edition version or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, I think it is just like the the version we all have where you know violence occurs to of the more gratuitous variety, mm. um, which is I suppose a bit of a a sort of not win for Japanese users. I could be wrong. Mm. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, yes, that's a thing now, apparently. Right, that's the news, (laughs) which takes us into quite a long-awaited episode, I think. We've done not a lot of digging into the CGI stuff, with the exception of the two most recent additions, as they've come out since we've been a podcast. So it makes sense to jump back to the beginning of Resident Evil CGI. Not quite. Sorry, Steve, it's not 4D Executioner. It's um, Resident Evil Degeneration. And now, reading the file Ramon's Confession from Resident Evil 4 2023 in character as Ramon Salazar, Henry Schultz, who you can find on YouTube at Henry Schultz VA. My lord, bless the Salazar bloodline with an iron hammer. The founder of my family proclaimed the holy teachings of Los Illuminados evil and persecuted its followers. Not only that, he stole their most prized possession and sealed it below the castle. Oh, my beloved Lord Sadler, with divine grace, the wicked shall be reborn as a part of the flock, reborn as Ganado. Nothing would please me more than to sit at my Lord's feet and bask in your splendor. I am your humble servant. You are my eternal light. To you, I swear my unwavering allegiance. So, for context, Resident Evil Degeneration, as I said, the first CGI picture, like full-length Resident Evil motion picture, releasing in 2008, which I don't have it in front of me, but by this point there was two, three the live action movies um so in a way i guess it was quite exciting to hear that we were getting a in-universe resident evil film um at the time it released it was the most recent point of the franchise because the most recent game was resident evil 4 and this is set a year after it in 2005 and obviously since then we've had infinite darkness which takes place a year after this, um, and gaps filled in and so on and so forth. It was the first time we'd seen Claire since Code Veronica. Um, Leon was the poster child of the series at this point, I guess, coming off the back of the huge success of Resident Evil 4 uh, a few years prior. Um, And yeah, it's an interesting one. It's uh, 
I don't really know how to sum up the plot. Like, where do you, it's there, there, there's an outbreak at an art airport in Harvardville. There's a lot of political discussions about um, the safety of viruses and vaccines and companies involved with them in the wake of the umbrella political scandal and all the legal stuff going on. Um, and we, yeah, we jump into things with Claire and Leon, who is sent in to deal with the situation. Um, so let's. I guess, actually, before we get into the story set up, the first inevitable question is, what was everyone's first experience with Degeneration? Do you remember seeing it for the first time? Uh, Jen, since you're the guest, do you, uh, do you remember your first interactions with Degeneration? Were you aware of it when it was brand new, or did you just kind of come across uh, it after the fact? You know what? I don't remember. Hmm. Like That's that was just a really useful bit of information there, but I don't remember when I first <laughs> saw this. Um, I think I must have seen it around the time it came out, because I've always been one of these people that's eager for the new thing. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those. It's it's a story that feels like it's always been there to me. So I'm guessing that's been yeah a while <laughs> since. Yeah, I I have all the the DVD collection and stuff like that. There's a DVD with extras and all the mm-hmm. fun stuff in it that I have, which is ye oldie. So yes. yeah, I mean, it must have been around the time it came out. Maybe somebody got it for me. I don't remember. I I'm old and everything is very dusty in my brain. <laughs> yes, I had to go in the big scary cupboard to get the DVD out to watch this because I do own this on physical media, classic DVD style, as you say. Um, and I'm pretty sure I got it from like CEX, which is a second-hand chain in the UK. But I feel like I must have seen it before before that at some point. I just, But yeah, I'm in the same boat. I don't really remember it being brand new. Maybe I wasn't necessarily that deep into the series in 2008, I guess. I'm not really sure. It's a weird one. Um, I'm trying to think. I think 2008 was just a weird year for me in general. So it's probably something that I saw and mm. I was just like, okay, well, other things are happening. So <laughs> Yeah. And I've, we, no, we just covered Resident Evil 5 where I've said, you know, I wasn't at my peak of interest with the series at that point, even though I played Resi 5 to death when it came out with a friend, so I can very much see that this was probably something that was released, and I was like, okay, cool, I guess, and I uh, didn't pay that much attention yeah. to it. But uh, Steve, do you remember your early interactions with Degeneration? See, I would have been, like, early 20s, and I'm pretty sure I was just one of those, like, oh, man, anything with Resident Evil on it, I've got to have it. Like, yeah. I've just had my fill of S.D. Perry novel, and you know, I, I'm not the, I'm not the biggest hater of CGI animated films in canon. Mostly at the time, I was a big lover of Advent Children and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so I just kind of like just hoovered up and grabbed it straight away as soon as I could. I don't recall having any real deep thoughts on it at the time. Like it was more, oh yeah, it's got Resident Evil on it, therefore Steve like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit more sophisticated now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but you know, at the time, I was a bit of an idiot. I still am to some people, but yeah. Yeah, but no, just I cons- consumed it at launch. Uh, occasionally, when I'm doing like a quote-unquote canon run-through, when I'm playing all the games that lead up to a new release, I will watch it after four before I do anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's more of a ritual thing, I think. Fair. Um, James, did you ever see or know about Degeneration before you got into the series uh, recently? Recently-ish, I say recently. It's not yeah, recently so anymore, is it? <laughs> much to everybody's surprise, this is my first time. It was, yeah. also, it was also a surprise to me because I thought I'd seen this movie. Uh, before like i thought i had seen it before but the i think because the <laughs> i think because the re cgi movies have such similar titles yeah like prior to the most recent ones they have very similar titles so i i think my brain got f- confused but yeah i'd never seen this so this was my first experience i've watched it three times now fair enough okay cool unfortunately uh- 
<laughs> Let's get into the story then. As I say, we'll start there. We'll start more with the sort of first half and the setup and how we feel about, as is, yes, the Resident Evil in an airport, which is kind of the first act. There's an outbreak in the airport itself. There's an outbreak pouring out of a plane. There's a scumbaggy senator type um, and various units converge, including Claire and Leon, recreating the get down moment amongst uh, other yeah, other stuff. Steve, how do you feel about the story setup for Degeneration? Kind of weird. Like, Claire is just there. She's in the airport protesting, but she's not with the other protesters. In fact, admonishes another protester. Mm. Uh, Leon doesn't actually really appear until halfway through the film. I do like the intro, though, generally speaking, where you're going through, like, a, a retelling of events, sort of, through lots of news reports. Mm. Like, it, it, it's... It, they do it in Shaun of the Dead, don't they? But it's more a comedy in that case. But in this case, it's just setting various narrative beats and various things. And I, I thought that was really great. Yeah. And it even shows up to the the terror safe protest at the worm, the Harverville Airport. But Claire's already inside, just sat chilling with her colleague, whose name I can't remember, and is just known as Aunt and <laughs> Rani. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's, it's a weird one. Uh, I I don't know how I feel because it just feels terror safe might as well have not even been there. Yeah, kind of. Get Claire a child. She needs to have <laughs> a child to be in charge of. There are. Where's the emergency child? Where's Sherry right now? Oh, how crap. Do, how do we get her a kid? Here. <laughs> Random terror save person. Have Break a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I don't mind the kind of slow start sort of thing, but it does feel a little odd. I'm with you, though, in that there is sort of a lot of catching up to be done at the start and they do throw quite it's almost too much new information it's just like so much at once but i think they did it in a very clever way um yeah. and now this, this is mentioned uh, no go on steve we'll I'll get into this later but. so there is a wild bit of uh, strange nostalgia for me now here and that you know do you see the area with that just beyond that red tinted sky and i don't yeah. immediately think of degeneration i think of the crimson head podcast right same i heard <laughs> it and i was like oh yeah i know that one I hear that one yeah. on a regular basis um i've said before that the location of an airport is great for survival horror so i've always had a bit of a soft spot for the first sort of half of this film because uh airports are spooky especially working in one during the pandemic when there was no one in one they were really kind of, it's kind of scary and also you know lots of big heavy locked doors and stuff like that i thought it was a really always thought it'd be a great setting for a survival horror game um so it's it's cool to see that used a little bit here um james how do you feel about the story setup of degeneration like steve like i really like the beginning uh like the news on the ground stuff um like the the movies the the live action movies do it too uh, but they do it much worse because <laughs> it's just Alice talking to you, yeah. or talking at you, you know, while slides go across the screen. Whereas, like the like the correct way, like this movie did, it's like we're going to show you what's happening, and we're going to do it through like a real world kind of scenario, kind of yeah. yeah. Um, and although it was badly animated, like I I feel like the news on the ground stuff was even a step down from the already mediocre animation in the movie <laughs> for some reason. But like it did immerse me into the world. And I, I, I like movies that start like that. Mm. Um, it feels like, a, it feels, yeah, like you say, a lot more authentic uh, for me. Um, yeah. Like, and also like a similar tack was taken with other resis as well in that regard and, and games as well, actually. So they like doing that. Um, but yeah, again, Steve's. I mean, we're probably going to mention it. All mention it, but the reunion between Claire and Leon 
what was that? <laughs> like not not like nothing went into the reintroduction. Like, like the hot these two hot this is the first time they've met, right? right? Like since Raccoon City, right? Ooh. And not. I mean, that we've it? seen, but I, I think we are meant to assume that's not the case because they're in contact and stuff over Code Veronica. So, okay. yeah, they use I, Facebook. I but... They meet over Christmas. <laughs> but even, but even then, but even then, like they had that time in the tent and they just had a little flashback. You mm. know, and I was like, oh, I just wanted more. You know, I wanted more from that. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, uh, but I I knew almost immediately that. Uh, I'm going to spoil everybody, but I knew immediately that Curtis was going to be used as a pawn here. Like, because you see, I'm going to call him Rhonda Davis. <laughs> I can't remember his actual name. <laughs> Ron but, Davis. Um, I think it's just Ron Ronda Davis. Davis. Senator Ron Davis. Ron D. Davis. Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. He was being like too much of like a, a bloody ghoul to be fully responsible for anything. Mm. Like, he was being so obvious. And, like, the only guy it could have been was insert British accent guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I've said this once many times, you know, as soon as you put a British guy into anything, he's immediately the evil guy. <laughs> you know, other than the S.D. Perry books. <laughs> true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very true. Um, yeah, and yet another pharmaceutical company was brought in, which made me go, ugh. You know, I, yeah. I, I was kind of taken... Yeah, but I did like where they kind of went with it. It was cool. It's not the greatest start to a story. For me, it felt like they threw a bunch of characters into a box and then just shook it around really fast. You know? <laughs> and that's what we got. So, yeah. It's a little bit of a t uh, checkbox ticking thing where it's like, Leon, oh, we'll have him team up with Claire because people, they literally say in the DVD, um, there's like a documentary thing. It's like they picked Claire because Resident Evil 2 is like the best selling game of the franchise at that point. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's a good enough reason as any, I guess. Just like you guys have kind of joked about, it's like, oh, that means we have to write a child character in because Claire is in this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, they didn't take the box of sticking Ada in arbitrarily, which is nice, which uh, is something yeah. to get to as well. But it, yes, there's random companies, brand new companies inserted into this. But at the time, we weren't in the sort of deluge of that sort of thing. Like Terrace is, is quite early into the this point of the law. Um, and TerraSave goes on to be quite important and stuff like that. So this is the first introduction of TerraSave. It's also, again, kind of pointed out by that documentary, the first real display of BioTerra in the series. Because for I wouldn't really, it's it's not like an attack or anything. You go to some spooky place where there's a bunch of monsters, but this is where it's like we're using bioorganic weapons as a as weapons as you know as, a, as an actual terror yeah. attack which is something that five and six would continue more so uh so it's really interesting in that sense that degeneration kind of whilst it is a weird sort of smattering of different things there's a bunch of stuff in here that actually kind of set up the next few games or stuff that the next few games would continue to pursue in terms of that style um i really like the pace of the first half of it because it's got a lot of time to slow things down and do atmosphere stuff without dragging it out too much like it's got spooky walk around dark rooms shooting monsters things could jump out at you moments all the cgi films have a little bit of this but i think degeneration probably does it the best um 
I just kind of wish that it kept up like that. As always, of course, if this was just get out of the infected airport and figure out who's to blame, that, that could have been the whole thing for me, uh, personally. So I think the first half is definitely the strongest bit for me, but as I say, I've got, maybe I've got a weakness for <laughs> airport horror, question mark, whatever that is. Uh, Jen, how do you feel about the story setup for Degeneration? I, I really like it. Um, I'm a big fan of using just like news clips to set up things. I like it in movies. I like it in TV shows because it's like very uh, real to me. You know, news. Mm. We see it all the time, um, and it kind of gives a more thorough um, background as to what happened. Because at the beginning of RE4, you do get Leon explain how Umbrella collapsed, but this kind of lets you know a bit more about why they collapsed. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I like that. I like that it gives us a little bit more depth to Leon's spiel. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we get into the airport and it has one of my personal favorite moments in a CGI movie. And that is when Claire asks for a weapon and is handed an umbrella. And she's <laughs> like, oh, didn't see that coming. And I'm like, that's a cute little nod and a wink. And yeah. I really like what you did there. <laughs> So yeah, I enjoy that bit. Um, the senator is uh, very obviously the bad guy. He looks like the f- penguin. Oh, excuse me. He looks like the penguin. He does look like the penguin. <laughs> he does. So I'm just like, well, there's our bad guy. I but, literally uh, watched it with my housemate. I'm pretty sure she said that guy could be the penguin. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's uh, he's very much. He is the villain. And then you have dear sweet Curtis, who is, I don't know, what's he doing there? Something running around <laughs> looking evil. Kind of looking evil, but obviously the decoy. Obvious decoy is obvious. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I like it. I, I enjoy the I enjoy the beginning of the generation um, and Leon's fantastic entry into the series, well, into the series, into the show, movie. That's mm. the word I'm looking for. Uh, where he stands there like a plank with his arms nailed to his side. <laughs> what is movement? Who knows? I don't know. Let's take the most charismatic character in the series and remove all personality <laughs> and he can just stand there like a plant which is the best part about that of course is that <laughs> this is the first CGI thing and they're like we're gonna put Leon in it and then he appears in every single subsequent CGI production and that's how they started off as you say with his arms like tied to his sides incredible yeah, stuff it, it blows my mind <laughs> i don't know what was going through I mean, we'll obviously get more into that later but i don't yeah. know what was going through people's minds when they when they did There's, all of um, this <laughs> talking about the specific moments from early in the film that we like or don't like there is one moment that throws me off every time. There's a... <laughs> I'm going to get weird about it now. There's a wrestling gif that you see every now and then where somebody takes the mask off of a guy in an audience and underneath it's the guy. Like, for those of you who know wrestling, it's the gif with, with Sting, where someone's wearing a Sting mask and underneath is the Sting face paint. Uh, and in this, <laughs> there is a zo- guy wandering around in a zombie mask making zombie moans and they take the mask off and admonish him and then a real zombie shows up every time I watch it though I'm expecting a real zombie to be under the zombie mask it's like (laughs) you missed a trick here that would have actually been really funny but there you go that's (laughs) that's just a random thought that I have every single time I watch this film Um, any more for any more before we move into the later part of the story well speaking of terror save I think it does quite a good job of introducing them as well as kind of the green piece of the uh, yeah is an evil universe. So it's a good introduction to another side of the whole fight because I think Leon says um, to Claire later on that she picked a different way to fight 
because mm-hmm. Chris and Leon wanted to be all guns blazing and we're going to destroy everyone. And Claire's just not that person. So mm-hmm. Gan does a good job of defining all of that. She's She wants to fight it in a different way. And here's, here's her gang, technically Greenpeace. You know, just <laughs> we're, we're looking out for... Uh, we're looking out for the people and trying to make everything better, but inadvertently sometimes making things worse. <laughs> <laughs> I think he calls a he calls a survivor, right? I think so. I think, yeah. yeah, which I found it it is nice, but also I found it kind of strange because they're both survivors. Yeah, yeah. So, she's a survivor of Raccoon City. She knows more than anyone else here. Said the man who's also a survivor of Raccoon City. <laughs> and what's going on here? Oh, no. Dear. Not this He's Leon. talking her up, okay? We're, we're all about, you know, talking <laughs> up it. about women here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> I also like yeah. his unreliable narrator moment because we get a flashback, which is great. And also, one of, I haven't checked, but one of the last times that we probably see Claire in her traditional RE2 outfit before they started, like, changing the shorts or whatever. Uh, but she's wielding a shotgun, which never happens. Which, <laughs> not to be that nerd, but I'm like, no, that's not right. It's not more accurate. <laughs> oh, and let's not forget her Neo in the Matrix bit where well, she catches Leon the handgun. Her the gun <laughs> and she does this kind of fantastic twirl, Dante, Devil May Cry, sort of woohoo kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, you go, girl. It'd never be Chris me. has taught you well. <laughs> it's a, it's There's a, a reason why handgun. she's a Greenpeace. She's too overpowered. She'd solve it in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Okay, cool. Let's let's uh, move into the second half of the film then, which is where we get some uh, get into the meat of things, I guess. We get to the dome facility. We have Leon and Angela Miller, who we haven't talked about yet. But the uh, what, what's the what's the unit called? Special special response team. That's it. SRT special response. We couldn't afford SWAT this week. Okay. How do we get Laura Bailey into the CGI thing? Because we need Laura Bailey in the CGI thing. Basically, um, and there's definitely things to be said about that. So they go I and ju- visit. I just, uh, I just want to say for the future that her name is Angeline Dion. Angeline Dion, I love it. Because she looks like Celine Dion. She does a little bit. Was, yeah, we'll get to her character. I have a question for the for the podcast. Is it every time the camera's on Angela that it's just a softer focus or something? Yeah. Like she yeah. has this weird. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't like using the word aura. But she's like got some kind of weird visual effect going on where it distorts things, and she just has a softer image. And everyone, I think Leon's kind of got it too. But yeah. compared to like you know this Frederick, the pr- yeah, the pretty people filter. He's, he's <laughs> the Leon love interest, so she has to be in soft focus. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. she's glowing. Oh. <laughs> we we want to tease that Leon Kennedy has a heart, so we're gonna like. <laughs> How can we never actually let him? You know, I know love interest that isn't Ada. Ooh. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. Uh, yes. So we ne- we also visit Curtis Miller's home, find out about a bit of backstory with there, where he's the uh, widower of a uh, family that died in the Raccoon City incident, which has potentially turned him a bit uh, extreme. Uh, let's put it that way. And oh no, crazy things are happening at a big lab. Didn't you know this is a Resident Evil CGI film? Um, how do we feel about the second half of the film? Steve, I'm going to go to you again to start. Because for me, it's, I, I feel like things take a bit of a... Well, I mean, the pacing takes a shot for a little while and then things pick up, but it's just where things take a weird turn. You know how Infinite Darkness was a TV show, right? This actually does feel like it would have been a two-parter, literally. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 it literally is the second half of the film is devoted to this big bio air lab. Uh, it, it's okay, right? But if, if we've been rocking like a steady seven 
out of ten up until this point. It's 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 veering downwards. It's going. It's it's there is a negative downswell and it's noticeable. As much as I love having Frederick Downing on screen, because to me, it's like what if Wesker didn't have superpowers and was a complete coward? Yeah. Like that, the the antithesis to the the supervillain of the series is just this meek British man who's actually sneaky. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just generic lab that could have been in Resident Evil Five, really, if you squint with the whole yeah. labs falling down and. Yeah. It's Agree. Okay. Yeah, I don't think the lab is nearly as interesting as the team that made it wants it to be. Yeah, it's not. It's just like okay, it's a lab and it's dome shaped and the floor the floor falls out. I guess like it's, I don't really get what the then they make a big deal in out a of game. It. It would have been one actually a fun setting going through four sure. separate labs and then seeing it unfurl into a bigger, larger complex. But mm. as a movie, you don't really see that. You just see a floor plan and go, "It's a bit neat." Have it I guess. explained at you rather than see too much of it. Yeah, I yeah. I agree. Like I, I actually enjoy the first half of the movie infinitely more than the second part for me. Jen, how do you feel about the second half of Degeneration? I mean, I'm just a shameless fangirl. I I, I love the <laughs> sort of the, the the fan service that's thrown in for you know, well for the, for the fans that enjoy Mr. Leon Kennedy with like his little love interest, and then you know you've got Angela who is Curtis's brother because we have to have that kind of Curtis's brother, Curtis's sister. Um, we have to have that I don't know extra bit of drama for no reason. Um, but I guess there is the there is, blood yeah. connection thing that's yeah. necessary. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I I I like all of that. Yes, it slows it down, and we have a lot of Leon standing around with his arms glued to his sides again. Um, but yeah, I like it. And um, upon watching the the documentary again, because I, I refreshed my brain on that one, um, they apparently they they wanted. Originally, the labs were going to be just like your more generic labs, but uh, the the guy wanted it to be the, the director wanted it to be um, like an, a Thunderdome kind of arena, mm. in which Leon and Angela were going to fight Curtis. And so that's why they made it this great big dome with lots of plants and everything for reasons mm. that we could have floors collapse and it look cool. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, James, how do you feel about the second half of the story? Uh, like the games, like the second, <laughs> like the game, it really feels like the second half is like the second half of a game, half of a game. Yeah. Like it ramps up, the action starts up, like all the stakes kind of supposedly get higher, except my stakes were not getting that any higher. They were at rock bottom at this point uh, during the movie. It's really long. I remember looking at the viewfinder um, <laughs> when it started like when we went to the lab and there was still half of the movie to go i was like whoa mm-hmm. what's gonna happen what's going on here the- and that was when i'm gonna call him gertis g curtis um <laughs> turned up gertis <laughs> um yeah and there was still half of the movie to go and it kind of surprised me um they were also doing a lot of trying to shake you off who the villain was mm-hmm. uh with a lot of wibbly wobbly writing <laughs> again i was like it's the british guy come on he just phoned up Claire and then said, "Oops, Miss Miss Call puts it down." Would you like some tea? <laughs> Ding dong. Um, yeah. So and also like after like everything felt a little bit like out of place after the beginning. Like the problems I had with the beginning kind of just accelerated with the other half. And after watching the documentary, it made a little bit more sense because there's. Some folks I can't remember their names right now, so so um, I apologize. But like 
some folks were aiming for a sequel to RE2 and others were aiming for a sequel to RE4. Mm. And they're completely different games. <laughs> um, even like the kind of the theme is completely different. So like what we got and, and, and what we got really wasn't any of either either. So I wasn't like I saw references in there. Yeah. Like there were a lot of them, but yeah, it was its own thing in a way, which is it could be a testament to it. Um it did get me thinking though, like the biggest my biggest problem with it, and with other resis of this time, especially of that time, and even to this point, I'm gonna get a little bit real here, but uh it's the word terrorism being used. Mm. Um or uh yeah, uh during this time it was a word that was really like kind of revolving around the world with no actual evidence behind it other than bad people are bad or greedy, you know? Um, often third world countries are used or perceived uh, or perceived enemies of the US, which we see a lot in Resident Evil. Mm. Uh, as a story writer myself, a compelling story is layers, something we like to escape from. But when you use real world events and stand-ins, you do have a responsibility to tell an honest story. Uh, Degeneration, though, isn't the only culprit of this, as I said at the beginning, uh, but it did give Curtis a reason for giving his life and potentially killing everyone in that lab. But it didn't give one for General Grande, and I think that's a misstep, right? And other people, like, he's just this shadow person in the background. I do think that needs more just substance in the future. You need to give a reason, right? And other people may... They may listen to me and go, it's not that deep. But I think it is, because when you're selling millions to people, you have responsibility for these kind of stories. Um, but yeah, overall, <laughs> I, uh, I, overall, I, I thought this, the story for this this movie was serviceable uh, if it was a video game. Because we're going to run into that same problem again, where should it be a video game or should it be a movie? Um, and you get it with the games as well. Should the game be a movie instead? Mm. Like, and that's not just Resident Evil. Um, I think Degeneration should have been a video video game, not a movie, because it feels like one. Um, not to, um, actually, you know, there was a video game tie-in for this on the phones. Oh, yeah, on the phones. Yeah, it wasn't phone, great. It was okay. basically <laughs> a RE4 if you squint very badly. <laughs> okay, All right, I think it's mostly it just the airport whole story, segment as yeah. well. Yeah, I don't think it's actually the Will Farm a bit. Um, um, but you're right. That would have given like, room for like files and stuff to flesh everything out. And, yeah. Because there's a lot yeah. going on outside of the realms of our protagonists in this film. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I'll go over uh, more of that about that later on as well. Um, I did feel extremely disconnected with this movie, though. Um, but it is still one of the best CGI stories out there. Um, which goes to show how, how Capcom could improve in the future. Mm. Um, but going by, this was what fifteen years old now. <laughs> yeah, I think you. You know, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with that. And as you guys have just said, there's a lot below the surface with this that doesn't unfortunately get that much explored. Like we talked about the introduction of TerraSave. I think Will Farmer are the most forgettable company in Resident Evil existence because they literally, mm. I think, pretty sure it's just this. I'm not sure they ever really get mentioned again, ever, which is a shame in a sense. Yeah, they're just a um, set-up, aren't they? Yeah, basically, they're just a prop for the rest of the films to sort of lean on a little bit. There's a lot yeah. of, even if it's obvious and that kind of stuff, there is some interesting characters in here that 
if it were a video game and you got to spend a bit mm. more time with them or thinking about them or hearing from them or just sort of meter out the moments that you spend with them with gameplay sections, it could actually be something really good, but the pace is a bit all over the place in this. I think the second mm. half of the film is definitely weaker, but the big final fight is is pretty cool. As I, you know, got a weakness to G virus because as, as an RE2 <laughs> super fan, uh, but I really like the final showdown. You have to kind of give them a bit of props though for knowing who their audience is because yeah, okay, yeah. the plot is really convoluted. There's an awful lot of details that if you were just an average Joe that doesn't really know much about Resident Evil and you just put this movie on, hmm. you're going to miss most of the story. You're just going to be like, oh, monsters, this is fun. Pew, pew. But um, it, it goes there for the people that are in in Resident Evil games reading every little leaflet. We're reading all the scraps of paper. We're reading everything we find. We're going deep into the lore. And it kind of echoes that, I think, in a movie. I mean, does it work? Who knows? But we're echoing that. We're going to give you lots of little details that you can pay attention to or not. Uh, and we're also going to give you an action movie. So if you don't care about the little details, right. then that's fine. You've got people fighting a monster, and that's great. You do, do your thing. you know. So I think it kind of caters to... It is trying its best to cater to the Resident Evil fans. And mm -hmm. then it's also catering to the people that just want a silly action movie with mm. just monsters and Pew Pew and Leon yeah. doing acrobatics. Uh, you know, so. As with many things, it's of course your mileage may vary, I suppose, isn't it? it? Depends what you want to get out of it. If you want a dumb movie, yeah. then maybe it's okay for that. If you want details, maybe it's okay for that. Because I do think should we should applaud the fact that it does add... You know, we said it multiple times, lots of interesting things to the lore. It's the first time we see X, Y, and Z. And at the end, we see uh, Tricell for the first time. And again, not a company that... They do have a bigger impact on the wider lore, but we don't have a lot of uh, games that actually feature them. But as a fan, watching it back and seeing the Tricell guys at the end and it being like a big setup for something, it feels like a big deal. It's like that. that's for, you know, the, the lore fans and the big Resident yeah. Evil fans. So stuff like that's really, really cool. So I'll give it that much. That and it caters to people like me who like a bit of soap opera because, like, I'm all about the characters when it comes to Resident Evil. I'm not so big on lore. Like, mm. I, I, I know it and I, I'm like, I'm not an encyclopedia of lore, but, you know, people jog my memory and go, oh, yeah, I remember that. I've taken that in. But mm. I'm more about, I, I love it for the characters. And so anything that involves giving the characters a bit more, giving them a bit of a, a human outside of what's going on. I like, and I love that they, they really did that with Claire, I think, yes. a lot more in this than they did Leon. Um, it's a, it's kind of unfortunate that they didn't go more into it with Leon, but hey, whatever. Mm. We're just gonna, He's just plank, that's fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I like that they did that. They gave it a bit more. And I, I'm, I'm there for the soap opera, which is why I don't mind the second half quite so much. Because mm. give, me, give me the soap opera. Give me the love interest. Give me the silly underwater kiss. You know, it's <laughs> Leon giving her all. Do you know how long they are underwater for? <laughs> did you, you time it? <laughs> they're, they're down there for like four minutes. <laughs> and I'm like. And then he shoots a gun underwater as well, mm. which, as far as I know, is not—is that not a thing? I don't think that's a thing. I don't know anything about guns in British, uh, but, but, but as far but as I know, are, that's not a thing. These it's are Leon bullets. It's a special gun. It's a special for... Leon Kennedy gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Government right, okay, ghost gotcha, water gotcha. edition. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> cool. So not only does he give Angela all of his breath, 
because she gets I don't know what happens she she gets knocked out or something and she as they float down she's just like oh, help me I'm so helpless and pretty and beautiful <laughs> and and Zeal's like here let me give you all of my oxygen via a kiss and then we'll also stay down here for four minutes and have the uh, the, the gumption to be able to fire this gun through this bulletproof glass which isn't all that bulletproof yeah. Uh, yeah that's definitely a moment but I am here for it. <laughs> I love it. Sorry, <laughs> like... I, I, the the uh, the chat I've just given us. It's now called the Wet Elder. Um, <laughs> love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, there is a. There, I'm really excited to get into characters because a lot of lot of things to say, bad and good, definitely. Um, it's a really interesting one for characters. But on a last note for story, uh, not necessarily to get too you know anyone can get as deep as they want into the weeds as they'd like. Um, but obviously, I think this is an interesting one for Degeneration because, amongst everything else, outside of Resident Evil 2, this is the only other G virus story in the entire series. Um, and we're probably going to cover the G virus as a whole later this year um, uh, in its own episode. But I think it's worth, you know, talking about how we feel about it as a G virus story. Because uh, it's a big important part of the law that we don't go back to much, mostly because the G-Virus is ridiculous and would destroy everything if it broke out. So to have it suddenly announced that, oh, I've got a sample of the G-Virus, by the way. Um, how did we feel about it doing that and, you know, the, the 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 Angela Miller and Curtis Miller connection that you've mentioned, Jen, them being brother and sister? I like that as a, you know, the G-Virus has to do the sort of looking for the same DNA thing, squicky stuff. Uh, so this is a cool, different way to do it, rather than so a familiar wrong. thing. Yeah, well, I know, but it's it's I meant really to make think you the G virus is the most disgusting of all of the. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a virus. Like... It can't help it. Yeah, <laughs> I need to impregnate my own child. I need to impregnate my own sister. It's when Leon says to Angela, "What is it? Something along the lines of uh, he's looking for, for breeding potentials or something." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then you cringe. <laughs> It's pretty gross. If I was Angela, I would be so far over the hills. I'd be like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, James, how do you feel about it as a G-Virus story? Uh, first of all, I want to say this is a great question, question Si. Like, Si put this up. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a really good question because G-Curtis doesn't really add anything. Guess. <laughs> like, he doesn't really add anything to the origin of the G-Virus right. or the nature of the G-Virus. And I think that's a really big missed opportunity. However, he has a really cool second form. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, like, it, that, but th like, that second form made me want to go, okay, why did it turn into like an insectoid mantis-like looking thing? Mm. Like, but we, we learned nothing. And that's why, you know, there's another kind of example why maybe it should have been a video game as well, because we could have got more information or the film could have explained it in some way. Um, bec yeah, because we kind of got, like Birkin, we kind of got, re you know, G-Virus constantly mutates, right? And yeah. and in the original games and the remake, you got that. It's a constantly evolving, mutating thing. Um, and yeah, it could have been... You know, it could be vaguely explained away with uh, through way of like downing and whatever they were doing in that lab. Like he could have been, you know, in the back, you know, in the back rooms doing his own little experiments. But um, yeah, it's uh, like it, the good thing is that it's a continuation of we've mentioned this before. It's a continuation of Leon and Claire's story. Mm -hmm. And this is a Leon and Claire story. So that's a really cool connection um, there. Um, 
I, and, and like the biggest, I think the biggest mis- misstep with this G virus, with this with Gertis, is they didn't kill it by hitting it in the weak spot. <laughs> he hit it in the head. Like you should go for the big old eyeball, man. That's true. They did I stab believe. him in the eye, which was nice because obviously that's a thing that happens in remake too. So yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Plus, uh, knife is really right. good against him, right? <laughs> the animation of that eyeball was really interesting. Yeah. It looked like it was animated differently to the rest of the movie. Mm. Almost like it was a photograph or something like that. But also, it has a great moment with that eyeball. Like, one of the most hilarious things I think I've seen in one of these movies. It's a tiny little moment. But there's a photograph of uh, Curtis's family dropped, and he picks it up with his huge, great fingers. But instead of look, looking at it with his face, he shows it to his big eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> his <laughs> little pet. Eyeball, I'm like, oh, so it does work. It is a working thing and not just some kind of... Yeah, true. See, I, I kind of really love that bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it's the last bit of himself resisting doing anything messed yeah. up, isn't it? And he's, like, freaking out. You can tell the eye is, like, its own sentient presence, one of a better term. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's, they're fighting for control. I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, mm. yeah. Steve, how do you feel about it as a sort of? Do you think this is a worthy G virus story? I actually feel like it's barely present besides the boss fight, you know? Yeah, I don't like, disagree with that. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I think, you know, Form 1's okay if it's a bit like, oh, that's just what if Birkin got really huge in five seconds? <laughs> Wham! Oh, all right, there we go. Um, I think. Generally speaking, Form 2 is where it's at, though. The weird, it's a vastly different creature to what we got in 2 and 2 Remake. But it has, like, you know, still got a massive shoulder with an eye in it, so you can tell it's, like, on brand. Uh, kind of reminds me of the Jabberwock, in a way. Yeah, uh, I see that. Yeah, that, that weird leatheriness to it. Generally speaking, doesn't really do much except take out a load of military dudes and has a big kick ass tail from somewhere. Uh, yeah, if G is meant to be spontaneously weird like that, then that's fine. But I always saw it as more of a response to trauma. Right, this part of my body got ruined by bullets. Therefore, this becomes and grows back stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'll take it or leave it, really. It could have been any monster, though. Like, he doesn't do anything particularly G-virus-related, although it's implied he was going to if he didn't get stopped. Yeah, I guess this is probably the most important thing, yeah. He could have been, this is super tyrant magical serum, and now I'm a tyrant. Look how tyrant I am. And now we could have gone, okay, cool. Yeah. Neat. There's so much, I feel like there is so much more they could have done with this. Like, if they could have made it, they should have made it more central to the plot if they're going to use it, because the G-Virus is still kind of special. It's not been overused or whatever, and it's not been taken full advantage of. And there are a couple of moments that you, like we've all said about, you know, the implication of Angela and stuff like that, and it's chasing her down, which is... You know, ties it back to the original RE2 G virus story and that kind of thing, which is neat. Just like I said about the um, the airport thing, like probably should have been its own entire movie. Maybe this should have been its own entire thing as well. It would have been cool to have a G virus centric film, but it does kind of it comes late into the picture. We don't get a lot of time to sort of ruminate on it. That said, yeah, I'm with it- you guys. I like. I think the designs are cool looking at the very least. And now, reading the file Mercenary's Diary from Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, Aaron Shaw, who you can find on TikTok at Aaron underscore Shaw. September 1st. Following six months of intensive training, my body's edge had returned. I was a good soldier, but they ordered my execution with no reason given. I was tortured and forced to give a false confession. 
but on the morning of my execution, a miracle happened. The company had helped me out, giving me a second lease on life. September 15th. I ended my vacation short and returned to the HQ office. It looks like my UBCS unit's been called into action. Umbrella maintains its own paramilitary unit to counter corporate terrorism and VIP abduction. In addition, they have Nightmen, who specialize in handling problems caused by illegal products. I'm currently a member of the latter. September 28th. Dawn's here, but we're still slogging through this nightmare. There are no provisions of any kind here. The undead just want the streets feeding upon the flesh of the living. Given the choice again, I would honestly rather have been executed. Death Row was a heavenly asylum compared to this place. I've chosen to pull the trigger myself in the hope that my dead body won't come back to life. Okay, cool. Let's let's dig into characters then. Uh, Jen, why don't you start us off? Let's talk about the sort of two major... Our, our video game returning heroes with Leon and Claire. What are your thoughts on... Um, you know, we, we've touched on it, but how you feel about those characters in this film? Uh, the dichotomy of this movie mm. is that they... Uh, they they did a great job with Claire, I think. Mm. I, I, I like that she's also wearing... It's probably my favourite outfit of the Claire's, like... I really like it. I'm mm. all about the denim and then... yeah. Um, but they they gave her a personality and they gave her more to work with, um, a, a bit, as well as being a babysitter because she's terminally a babysitter. What is Claire if not looking after a child? <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I I, hmm. I I don't really understand why they were like. We're going to do lots more with Claire, and we're going to make her upset about everything that's happening, and we're going to make her emote, and we're going to have her be animated, and and then we're going to have Leon, who has just been through the biggest trauma of his life, stand there like a plank. <laughs> we're just not emoting at all, mm. and just being like, uh, I I I try to reason with it in my in my own head as uh, he is so traumatized by what happened in four that he's just kind of shut down. And now he's on autopilot. Mm. That's where my brain goes. But yeah, uh, characterization-wise, for those two, hmm, yeah, they they went all in with Claire, and they didn't really. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they were doing. Uh, it's it, it's a weird one because part of my brain almost wants to sort of justify it as maybe that's what was cool at the time, sort of stoic, you know, straight line mouth, no emotion, um, you know, badass kind of thing. But yeah. it doesn't really make any sense, as you say, because we've just come out of RE4. Obviously, the game had released years prior, but this is set a year after, where he's wisecracking Leon S. Kennedy. Yeah. Quip Master Supreme. Where yeah. did he go? Exactly. Who's this guy? Not and... a single quip or pun was made in this entire movie. Yeah, and I feel very, Yeah, that's very weird. And especially because now, and I know obviously at the time they wouldn't have known this, but the context of it now, Steve, you said if you're doing like a law run, if you were to play everything and watch everything in you know, serious order that it all takes place. You get Infinite Darkness after this, where he does have some quips back. He's yeah. sort of a bit more in the middle, at the very least. So it feels even weirder <laughs> that yeah. he's just this kind of, like, boring... And I, and I feel like it's a voice direction thing, because there's a lot of places where 
it sounds like his lines are being ru- like the pace of his lines is all over the place. Like there are a bunch of times where it just felt like he's rushed his line out. He had too much to to fit in. Maybe yeah. it's you know the the translation. I don't know. It's just it's it's really it's very weird. weird. And it, what's even weirder is that they obviously removed because if you watch the uh, the the documentary thing, you've got the uh, the actor who isn't the voice actor, but you know the person that's just doing the performance capture. Mm. And he's really emoting. Mm-hmm. He's he's yeah. animated. He's making expressions with his face. He's going. He's acting like. And then they've just taken it all away. They're just like, no, we're just going to stand there with his arms glued to his side, and just, you know, blank faced. So I'm just going to go with in my head. He's really traumatized. He's working through it. He's just on autopilot now. He was really <laughs> tired that day. Yeah, and then and then when he got home, you know, he. He got some therapy, he got laid, and then he was back to form <laughs> for Infinite Darkness. So, you know, it was just like... <laughs> Indeed. Um, Steve, let's go to you. What do you feel about Leon and Claire in this film? I mean, uh, when it comes to Claire, I'm in total agreement with Jen. I think it's one of her best performances. I love the mm. outfit. I love the personality and character. Arguably, the first half is, Jen, is, um, is Claire's movie, and then Leon just shows up at the end. <laughs> uh, and then the second movie... You know, Claire still saves the day by keeping them from falling, falling to the doom and all that stuff. So, you know, MVP, Claire Redfield, as always, as she yep. should be. Um, uh, Leon suffers from, I don't know, like, I feel like the early 2000s, a lot of franchises were taking established characters and rewriting them and making them rubbish. Like, we had uh, Advent Children, Cloud Strife, Devil May Cry 2, Dante. Yeah. Resident Evil Degeneration Leon. Yeah. And they're all, it's not like they're acted poorly. It's that they're just like, yeah, be stoic and miserable. That's cool. Like, no. Dude. I, well, we, we know Paul Mercier can do a bang-up job of making Leon a charismatic and fun guy. Mm. Like, you know, while also p- taking things mostly seriously. He even does, I think, a few... I don't know if there's many quips in Dark Side Chronicles, but he's a lot livelier there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Leon's direction purely on the voice direction for this, not... Paul Mercier. The script mm. was bad. Lame. Making him a stoic, quiet, just ugh, un- unenjoyable mm. for me. And I- I'm a big fan of Leon Kennedy in most of his interpretations. This is the one time, like, he's checked out. He's not here. He's just got a really bad pay packet and he really doesn't care. <laughs> like, uh, you know, oh, all right, so the government are paying me how much? Oh, overtime money is that much? The tax man's had how much? Right, I'm going to go to Harville. <laughs> I'm going to shoot some zombies and I'm going home. Like, you know, it's, I'm going to scrub this virus from the face of the earth, Leon said, with all the emotion of a stone. Like, that sounds like you would say it with conviction, with, like, you know, rage or something. Not, oh, yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a chip and two sausages, please. Like, it's, it's, it's just not cool. Like, I don't know. It really annoyed me in, like, other games where they do this as well. But I guess Leon got off somewhat lightly as he comes back to form in other shows and other games. Mm. Yeah. But here but is he's in damnation. He's back to he, he. He's even sent into a war zone without any breakfast, and he's in a better mood. He's yeah, like, <laughs> he's he's quipping like crazy mm. in, in oh. that movie. So I I don't know. I, I think it was an off day. I think he's he's traumatized. He's that's just what I'm going with. He's yeah. He's just can't deal. Can't deal. No. Whereas Claire <laughs> peak like arguably yeah. one of the best Claire's yeah. we ever had ever. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, she's also the melee enthusiast. She's got lamps. She's got headphones, headphones, umbrellas, uh, coat rack. She'll use anything as a weapon, and she'll kick people and shoot people really, really well. Mm-hmm. Ten out of ten. She has the uh... MVP of Leon's performance is his knee holding him and Angela and Mr. Curtis on that 
that rail that like <laughs> talk about that for a minute he he's dangling there for like another four minutes just by his knee holding the weight of two other people and himself <laughs> the, the strengths can leon's through knee, that scowl yeah leon's <laughs> knee is the there's the charisma char- charisma king of this movie <laughs> It's it's let's go Leon's knee. It's funny because like they kind of have obviously, and Jen, you alluded to this like very defined roles in this film. Kind of like this is the moment where we really got the. F- we hadn't really seen Claire for about eight years, like as in terms of a new story. So this is the first one where it's like, yes, she's the protector rather than the outright fighter. She's the person that comes in after the fact rather than being a frontline person like Leon and and like Chris. Um, so she gets to do sort of the investigation part of the story and deal with other characters while Leon is, you know, yeah, being a love-struck puppy, I guess, with Angela and fighting a big monster. But at the end of the film, despite her being the sort of detective part of it, it's Leon that's like, oh, I figured out it was him already, <laughs> which is really kind of dumb. But thankfully, as you've all pointed out, yes, she gets to do a bunch of cool stuff. She gets to slap. Senator Davis in the face, oh, which is you know slap. very yeah. cathartic, um, and yeah, catching a loaded handgun with one hand as you do. Um, yeah, she's while kicking great. something in the face, Si. Yes. while kicking someone she's in the like, face, MVP. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's great in this. The performance is great. Anderson Court as Claire is you know it's always a bit like a warm blanket, isn't it? So, uh, but she did a really <laughs> really good job at this one. Um, James, how do you feel about Leon and Claire? So Leon, Leon has a really weird personality in this, um, and it's like, so you could you could argue this is how action stars were set in that were were written and portrayed in action movies, except in action movies the personality is getting to see more than just the action, like the mm. strong silent type it only works if you get a glimpse into who the person is and what makes them what they are. Um, and what's weird is that this movie does have moments where <laughs> where there's clearly meant to be a long stare where he's meant to be contemplating, but because of his because of the look on his face, you just can't see it. So what he's doing <laughs> is staring creepily. You know, it's it, oh, it's yeah. really weird. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's not even Leon in this movie. Mm. Um, you know, for me, it's just yeah. And as as uh, as Jen said earlier on, yeah, the the mocap was really active, and he, his face is like very emotive and and stuff. But yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe they they got lost halfway uh, mm-hmm. trying to translate that, and just thought standing Leon was better. Um, <laughs> so Claire, however, Claire is amazing. I will che- cheerlead for her in this movie, and I don't like. I'm not known online as the Claire Stan. Everybody, I think everybody knows, but she does more in this movie movie than anywhere else that's in the cgi movies like she does more action than anywhere else um her comment about the umbrella her sick moves protecting that kid (laughs) um her unix system skills um (laughs) yeah um her bitch slapping ronda davis um (laughs) like yeah so she was great she gave this she gave she filled this movie with personality that it desperately needed Mm. like because Mm. Nobody, even though we had big characters like uh, Rhonda Davis, um, Downey, right? They still didn't. I'll get into that in a second, but they still didn't feel like they had enough. But she filled the corners that we needed. Mm-hmm. On that note, then actually, we'll do the rest of the characters. James, do you want to kick us off? How do you feel about the rest of the cast of this film? 
Uh, yeah, there were other characters other than Claire and Leon. Yeah, um, you just named yeah. some of them. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I feel like I made them up in my head as I was going because that's how I feel like they wrote this film. Um, it's like, uh, uh, like Angelina Dion is. Um, <laughs> she is the perfect shoe in of a character to give Leon a love interest for some reason. Um, as Jen said earlier on as well, she's voiced by the beloved Laura Bailey. I love her so much. She did the best of what she could, but this writing was awful for her. Um, she was a step up for Leon once again. Uh, you know, a, a record that's constantly on repeat, um, and a mechanism and a mechanism for us to get invested in hers and Curtis's past. She wasn't interesting. Mm. I couldn't connect with her because of that. Um, and then the the icing on the cake was that final scene where they put her in a flowery dress on a hill for some reason, <sighs> and they increased her breasts by two sizes. <laughs> like, I don't, I didn't get it. Why did you need to do that? She's, she says, "Oh yeah, I'm just gonna get up this morning, have my bacon and eggs, get in my car, and go to the lab." Uh, oh, I forgot my flowery dress and my push-up bra. <laughs> no one else got changed, by the way. So she's the only one who did have a shower after all this. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, you, I think... you know, you know why she was putting that push up. I mean, I, I feel you, Angela, girl. I would do the same. <laughs> I've just met Leon Kennedy. He's just saved my life. Yeah, he, she's like, Leon, just wait here. I need to come home and refresh and come back. <laughs> we well, what's ironic? What's ironic is that she was facing away from him almost that entire scene. <laughs> Fair. Um, oh, Leon, he kind of see a boob. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I think I think everyone else played the role they're meant to play, mm. but it didn't go any further than that in this movie. I I've got nothing else to say because everyone was a stand-in other than Claire. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 mostly on a similar page in terms of I don't have a lot of notes for everyone else. I thought you know Angela was I actually quite enjoyed her. It's not the most nuanced character of all time, of course, but I think they did a decent job with the hardened soldier with a bit of a gooey centre and it's nice to see her do sort of kind of both of that. It was a little bit more the latter than the former. I wish she had a few more kick-ass moments herself. Um, but as someone who's very openly at this point an Ada Wong hater, it is nice to see Leon have chemistry with another woman. I wish we would have <laughs> seen more of that and I'm always a little bit bitter that she never came back even though she kind of did because Laura Bailey's character in RE6 is essentially the same person. Um... Downing, yeah, Steve, you said it. He's a bit like, you know, scheming Wesker Light. He's fine. He's the adequately dull English villain to sort of pivot to as the so-called twist of the piece. I think he's kind of, yeah, he's boring, but it is at least more interesting than Ron Davis being the bad guy, which is so obviously what the film is like. He's a bad guy. Look, look, he's mean to everyone, but he's not the guy behind it all um and curtis doesn't really matter because he doesn't really get enough screen time like you feel a little bit for him but because he's so peripheral to everything until he becomes a monster he's just kind of a plot drive rather than a character to me um jen how did you feel about everyone else in the film i think all of you are forgetting the star of the show is it greg and that that, that greg yeah yes, greg, greg! <laughs> Uh, I have a vague issue with how they deal with Angela and Greg in the beginning of this uh, whole thing because it seems to be an ongoing theme with Resident Evil in that we have these global events that happen all the time and yet nobody knows what it is. <laughs> and, mm. and at the beginning, you've got 
Angela and Greg, who have no idea what a zombie is. And I'm like, well, hang on, you know about Raccoon City. That's obviously happened. Stuff in Spain must have made the news. I mean, there's even, like, I can't remember where that where I saw it, but there's a book, or there's something, uh, with pictures of Leon um, talking to the press. So hmm. the events of Resident Evil 4 are out there. The events of Raccoon City are out there. I know there's a cover-up, but, you know, it's out there, so why don't they know? Why, it's why funny are they like, what they is have a zombie? That, they have that they moment, don't they, the where they're like, someone mentions Raccoon City, and one of them goes, isn't that where such and such... If yeah, a, like, if a US so. town got blown off the map by a nuke, everyone in the world would know the name of that town. Like, yeah, it, it annoys exactly. me when they do that, but there you go. And that there's the scene in the, uh, in the office where um, Leon shoots one of the zombies mm. and Angela's like shocked and appalled that he's shooting civilians and I'm like I, I want to grab her and shake her and just be like yeah, you must know this stuff surely yeah. if you'd like ever watch the you're in what is it special response team mm-hmm. what have you been responding to Passing <laughs> <laughs> trees absolutely nothing so far apparently because you don't know what anything is so you're not that special but yeah <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, you know, I, I'm here for it. I, 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 I like Angela as the love interest. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You know, if it can't be me, then I guess it can be her. <laughs> and, and Greg is. I, I like how quickly Greg comes around to everything. He's just like, Fuck yeah, I'm gonna. Excuse me. I, I, terrible with my swearing. I, can't, <laughs> no, I need to. Stop it. But anyway, yeah, you, you've got him like, yeah, I'm gonna kill all these things and let's go. And then he he immediately accepts his fate. He's bitten. He knows he's done. He's like, you guys go. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. deal with this. I like that. I like that he's just like, yeah, okay, all right, then this is what we're dealing with. And I'm just, I'm in. I'm in. So Greg was cool. He was a cool small character. But um, I uh, I found. <laughs> I, f- I found uh, the trope with him very funny because like there is a trope that annoys me in movies and stuff and and whatever else media that has it and it's the very brash character who then comes around but as soon as he comes around he dies mm. like it, it always the same thing every time you know as soon as he put his thumb up to Leon it's like this guy's dead he's gonna die <laughs> like <laughs> within minutes he's dead yeah it's it's a funny trope. Uh, yeah, good, good, good guys, good guys. And as for the rest of them, sorry, I'm rambling, but yeah, Curtis is just there. Uh, the yeah. penguin is also there. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, who else even is there? Oh, the aunt. Let's not forget aunt. Aunt. She, she's also she's, there. She's great. And Rani. <laughs> she's she's really annoying. My God, could they have made that child a bit more annoying? Like, <laughs> just for goodness' sake, get a grip, girl. <laughs> Yeah. I don't care that you're six. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> you're emergency child six. That's all right. Yeah, just fill your role and get on with it. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about the rest of the cast? Oh God, just uh, try to pull a pin on that grenade. Um, right. So I, I would totally agree with. I think Rani as discount Sherry is like not good. That my parents left me. You're gonna leave me to. I'm going outside in the umbrella. It's fine. Did you not see me kick the crap out of that guy earlier? I'm good. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I actually really am a big fan of Ron Davis being an absolutely obvious slimeball, irredeemable scumbag. There's not enough of those in video games. You know, abs- you know President Shinra. We need, we need more evil that's just... I'm just a complete... Bastard. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the way that Claire clocks him around the jaw is also fantastic. 
Uh, yeah, uh, I actually have a big fan of the the low calorie Wesker. Uh, I, I wanted to. I, I wanted to show up eventually, like you know, as the the mysterious villain behind the scenes, and immediately get knocked aside by like you know another villain who's more competent. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. As the oh my god, I'm the twist villain. Not really. That kind of madness. Uh, everyone else is really, really forgettable. I kind of wish there's an alternate cut of this film where we actually get Angela and Greg to be characters, because Greg, as basically the Hudson of the film. Uh, you know, just without the tech skills, James. Yeah, I know. He's, he's not that good. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I actually, as a man who goes through a lot of emotions in the space of 10 minutes, I felt for Greg more than I did anybody else. That, that, that says a lot, really. Angela and Curtis, though, completely superfluous. Yeah. This, as it's meant to be Helena Harper light, as mm. people like to see one and the other as two as the same character, I just don't see it. Helena's a, a grieved woman. Angela's just kind of like a hothead who goes from that to, oh, no, my brother... The end. Mm. Uh, it's, 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 <laughs> Curtis is a cardboard cutout with Patsy written on the back side of it. Like, it's not much to him. And as for the underlying plot about General Grande doing terrorist attacks all over the globe, we don't really see any of that, like James said. So he's not even really a character. Hunnigan's in it. She's nice. Yeah. She helps everybody. She gets the vaccine out to people. She technically does the most important thing of the entire damn film. <laughs> Hunnigan MVP. is the most consistent character in the whole of Resident Evil. Mm. She really is. She looks the same. She wears she's been wearing the same suit for twenty years. She's yeah, she she is consistency personified. And also mm. I would like to give a special shout out to Angela's push up bra at the end because I think that's an MVP character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad yeah, that Hannigan got a mention though, because uh it is worth it. and as you said, like that actor has played Hunnigan so many times, so it's nice for her to do his job in this as well. Yeah, I think we discovered like from RE4 all the way through to Death Island, she now yeah. has the longest recurring rank of mm -hmm. a, a voice actor in the Resident Evil universe. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Only um, been played by one other person because of the remake, otherwise yeah. it's been the same actress the entire time. I mean, other than that, like, I kind of, I really wish we'd actually seen someone assassinate Ron Davis. That would have been the, per you know, like in Rogue One, we mm. get the West, we get the Vader cameo, don't we? Where it beats the crap out of everyone at the end, and then, oh god, it's so cool. And that's the point where you put Wesker in a film, and he just shoots that man dead, and then buggers off. Yeah, that, mm, that would have yeah. been mm, chef's kiss. I mean, death off screen's okay too, I guess, but mm. <laughs> we were robbed. <laughs> Hashtag recut degeneration. The Greg cut. The Greg cut. <laughs> I just wanted to point out before we move on uh, as well when we talk about sort of characters and performances, the voice cast of this film is just ridiculously stacked, which almost feels like it should be a bigger deal than it is. It's unfortunate that it hasn't turned out to be like this incredible thing that everyone goes, that's not just that's the best CGI movie, which we may or may not be the, the opinion. I guess we'll get to that at the end. But, you know, with this voice cast, it should have been like the best Resident Evil thing because it's got Johnny Young Bosch, Kyle Abert, Troy Baker, Yuri Lowenthal as just random people. Uh, Karen Strassman is in it, who went on to play Annette. Um, we have Keith Silverstein as a random voice in it as well, aka formerly, well, always hunk he still fact. is hunk yeah. he is still hunk but rather he's not playing hunk in this he's just a random voice uh kirk thornton plays the united states president i think he gets one line michael mcconaughey who is barry burton in revelations 2 eventually plays the ceo of will farmer steve bloom is greg 
Um, Michelle Ruff is Rani. Crispin Freeman is Frederick Downing. Roger Craig Smith, of course, is Curtis Miller, who goes on to play Chris after having already played Billy uh, in uh, Umbrella Chronicles. We've just said Laura Bailey's in this. It's a ridiculous cast. Like, it's, yeah. it's all-star, like, voiceover cast. It's just a shame that the writing didn't really support that level of quality, unfortunately. But we'll get into... Roger Craig Redfield got about two lines. Yeah, it's, which is probably for the best, because <laughs> otherwise it'd be like, all I can hear is Chris. <laughs> I know he wasn't Chris in 2008, but like, all I can hear is Chris now. Um, let's talk about the visuals of the film, because as I say, this is the first CGI production, so it's a big deal at the time. A full-length CGI Resident Evil movie. Uh, how <laughs> how has it aged, Jen? <laughs> uh, okay. Again, with the dichotomy, this movie uh, parts of it look really, really amazing. A lot of the like the set pieces. There's a part like right at the beginning when it shows the outside of the airport. That could be real footage. That's mm. really mm-hmm. good animation. Like wow. So yeah, environmentally everything looks fantastic. Wow, great CGI. You know, I, I, I'm in. But then we look at people's faces, and oh dear, <laughs> uh, especially, especially, especially Leon again. I hate that because Leon's my favorite. I don't know. Most people know this about me, but Leon, Leon's my my bay. Um, I hate that I just used that word. I did kind of <laughs> just kick myself off. Anyway, um, yeah, he and. <sighs> And they just they they just forgot to animate him. Yeah, well, I don't seems know. like maybe it. they just forgot. But it, the, my main gripe, my main gripe is and will always be. I think I don't think Capcom in any way, shape, or form have ever nailed it to this day, except for maybe in four remake the hair. Mm. I can't. <laughs> Angela's hair when it's down makes me want to cry. Yes, you always waiting for underwater? that. Why is it underwater? Why? Why? <laughs> and it's the same thing as in Seven with Mia's hair. It looks like it's underwater. Mm-hmm. What is this animation going on? People's hair does not move like that. Just look at a human being standing there with their hair. Yep. It's not going wee. I'm really glad because um, you guys were talking about that scene with the flowery dress, but I wasn't paying any attention <laughs> to anything else. Because there's like a 30 second long shot from behind them where there's wind blowing, but you wouldn't really know it because not a lot of stuff was moving. It's just Angela's hair flowing <laughs> around like a jellyfish. <laughs> like, it's so it's distracting. That's where Leon's personality is. It's all in there. In That's where the animation hair. went. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, they blew their budget on animating her hair. They should have just left it in a ponytail. It's fine. <laughs> but weird. yeah, I, I, I don't know. I Environmentally, I think it looks amazing still and it holds up. But the CGI of the actual characters, mm. yeah, not great. The only one that's really banging is Claire again. Mm. I think they threw their entire budget into Claire. A little wink to Leon. That was a great little piece of animation. Mm. I love that. And then Leon, Leon just no-sold it completely. It was just like, whatever. <laughs> Beautiful girl winking at me. Don't care. Right. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's. I mean, that sums up his entire thing. Eh, what's going on? I don't know. I mean, whatever. Um, <laughs> James, how do you feel about the visuals of Degeneration? Yeah, like like Jen said, the backgrounds and the stationary elements in this movie are really good. They do very very well. Like, yeah, the airport looks fantastic, and like especially the end where Tricell are going through all the detritus mm. after the explosion. It looks really good until yeah the moving parts come onto the screen um yeah the the people because yeah you really see kind of the if there was a budget you really see where things were cut um yeah another interesting thing with claire is that you've got so much emotion in her face 
um like you saw a lot of the sassiness uh with with her when she was talking to people um yeah whereas you didn't really get that a lot of other people because i feel like with angela she was mostly just pouting um and they yeah, spent it was like all a lips. lot yeah they just spent <laughs> so much money like yeah putting so much time into those those lips for some reason um and maybe the hair and the dress but yeah um and the push-up bra, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but that was a stationary element. It didn't wibble wobble, so we were. We yeah, were where, where was the jiggle Shockingly, physics yeah. there? Shockingly, <laughs> I've yeah. seen, I've seen Capcom put r- jiggle physics into the most ridiculous things, and yet we got no Angela jiggle physics. I, I cool, I robbed. <laughs> um, yeah, but because because of like the lack of animation, we had these. I mentioned it earlier, but we had these really long blank stairs. That were constantly happening mm. that there was no like nothing behind again pouting um arms looking broken to all heck while holding hands as well i don't know if anyone noticed that but leon's arm looked like it dislocated from his shoulder <laughs> like That's what? a long day right? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so it, it didn't look great uh yeah when i i think one i do want to praise the lighting though i think lighting saved a lot of this movie <laughs> mm. um even though we there's still a lot of bad things in the movie i think if it wasn't for lighting this would just be dog water to look at yeah like it would be absolutely horrible like there was they did quite well with the lighting especially with the environments as well though a lot of the environments either dark or you've got like very uh kind of uh, acute angles um to look look through but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, there, there was also like you got to see a really good representation of lighting when you saw uh, Angela looking at Gertis while he was slow walking across the screen, and you got the close up of her face. Like I know that forget all like the pouting and everything. Like they did really well the lighting in that room and her her face as well. But yeah, other than that, everything was poo poo. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah. I think it's fine. It's about as best as I can describe it. It is a bit of a weird mixed bag, as you guys have said, in terms of what is good and what isn't good. What hasn't been pointed out, I think the zombies look kind of silly in this movie. A lot of them have, I don't know, they seem to be wearing black lipstick a lot of the time, which is uh, a choice, I guess. <laughs> I never noticed that. I don't know, maybe that was just me, or there was one particular zombie at least. It was like, it's, you've got very black lips, so I'm not quite sure what's going on here, but I thought the zombies looked kind of dumb for the most part. I think, you know, it's obviously the most haggard of the films, but it is the oldest, so it's going to happen. And I think the texture and detail-wise, it's it's not great. Um, but it's it's perfectly watchable. But, yes, yeah, it's not exactly... I just had be... a revelation. Yeah? Now I know why Leon's a plank. It's the jacket. <laughs> the entire time he's is wearing, wearing a wooden jacket? jacket. The, the entire time he's wearing that jacket, he never moves his arms. Really, like at all? Uh, he's wearing he's a medium. But as soon as he, as soon as he <laughs> takes that jacket off, he suddenly becomes more animated. Mm. Only slightly, but in that whole sort of end sequence when he's he takes the jacket off, and it suddenly he can off. run, he can jump, he can yeah, do, he, he can hold hands, he can kiss underwater, he can do all these things. <laughs> but and then he puts the jacket back on, and he's back to being a plank. So the jacket's the true antagonist. It's the jacket. The that's that's yeah, the limit jacket you is, see. Is, yeah, it, it's <laughs> obviously a brand new leather jacket that he got after four, and it's stiff as all hell. He hasn't waxed it or anything yet, so it's just like he, I can't move. Help me, for the love of God! 
Yeah. That's that's what that's the blank stare. Is his help me stare? <laughs> I think this jacket's trying to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear, Steve. How do you feel about the visuals of Degeneration? I feel like three uh, D anime films tend to get a lot of stick for looking low budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they can't all be Advent Children. You know, which came out a few years before. Uh, mm-hmm. And and you know, video game films in general also have a big stigma. Uh, to ride that uh, that gamut in the MB. Uh, I'd say acceptably mid, generally yeah. speaking. I feel like some of the characters' weird, soft, co- soft focus faces do me in. I honestly feel like this is this. The, the, you mentioned the zombies, and I can't unsee the Dead Rising zombies. Uh, that, that's <laughs> what they look like to me. This looks more like a Dead Rising film with Resident Evil characters in it at times, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the way that some of the faces look almost photo scanned in and then stuck on a three D model. Not so much protagonists, but you know, side characters and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it looks okay. Generally speaking, the standouts are Claire, G. Curtis, what a pair. Um, you know, <laughs> ju- yeah, but to, to get a G-Virus monster on, on screen and it looks, you know, it's its own unique thing, sure. But you can tell at least that it's a, a big, horrible, beastie monster. It, you can tell the skin texture isn't quite just greebly. It's this weird leatheriness to it. Mm. So, all right, I like mm. it. Zombies are a bit meh, as we pointed out. Uh, generally speaking, the backgrounds and stuff, I feel like we're in a video game set. This feels like just above an in-engine cutscene at times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but then I look and I look at stuff from Resident Evil Past. Like, you know, the Outbreak intro is king, Jesus. Uh, yeah. Uh, in comparison to this, and that came out, what, 2002? That's a good six years lead up you had. Uh, but no, generally speaking, I think it's okay. It's adequate for Saturday morning special that this kind of has that vibe going for. Mm-hmm. Um Outbreak's a great comparison because Outbreak Mm. wouldn't have had... I don't know. I have no idea what the budgets of either of these things were, but I would always compare this to something like RE5, which came out the next year, which obviously looks gorgeous, um, as we talked about in the previous episode. But obviously that had a lot more money put into it because it was a flagship game, whereas this probably didn't. But yeah, when you compare it to something like a side game like Outbreak, it's a very good point. Um, Mm. Before we get to conclusions then, any... Anybody got anything on sound, you know, music, sound effects? Steve, any any thoughts on the way the film sounds? Oh, goodness me. You know what? I, the music completely washes over me. I don't think I can name a single piece. You know, if you played the soundtrack to me, sure. that, that, was, that was full, like, you know, wallpaper. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's some earlier stuff. I couldn't pick it out of a lineup, definitely, but uh, while watching it this week... There's some stuff early on that's creepy that's very reminiscent of the games that kind of I enjoyed in context. I uh, oh. don't know out of context if it would be great, but yeah. I, I tell a lie, actually. Uh, me and Mrs. Steve, when we were watching this most recently, she pointed out when they go into the Will Farmer facility for the first time, she looks at me and goes, that sounds like a save room theme, Stephen. <laughs> I don't know why she used the Sunday name, but there we go. Uh, <laughs> you know, so yeah, that, that's my standout, uh, courtesy of Mrs. Steve. <laughs> Uh, James, any thoughts on sound of the film? Uh, you know, I, I I listened to the entire soundtrack a couple times, hmm. and I didn't remember any of them being in the movie. <laughs> um, nice. But I liked the tracks. Like, there's one called Breakthrough, which is uh, kind of rock. Uh, it's rock inspired, and it, it it was it was in a, a very action like heavy scene, and I re- I like that song, but yeah, I, c- I couldn't really place where these this music was. I watched after watching the movie three times, so like I wasn't gonna watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, the music is fine on its own to listen to. I do recommend it, 
to folks because there's a lot of music there that sounds very Resident Evil. Yeah. Capcom does very well with Resident with their music. Um, but as with all of my segments today, there is a downside uh, to the actual sound work, and that is I am very sensitive to high squealing or pitch sounds. Mm. There were so many in this movie. There was one particular one where it kept fluctuating up and down, and I had to actually turn my volume all the way down, so I missed the music, I missed the mm. the sound of what was going on, um, as well as the pitch, the high-pitched squealing, and yeah, it I'm really sensitive to that. It makes me cringe and it gives me headaches. Um, please stop doing that, movies. It's not good. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't convey anything uh, good. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was okay. And I would recommend listening to the soundtrack. Nice, fair enough. Jen, any thoughts on sound effects and music? Entirely forgettable stock music. It could have been. I, hmm. I don't remember a single track. The only thing I remember is the uh, the final song the the title song whatever it is mm. um being some god-awful early 90s rock thing that had absolutely nothing to do with what just happened in the movie <laughs> something about love and you know I, push I up bras. yeah well not even about, i mean if it'd been a song about push-up bras and girls in beautiful dresses then i would have got it but it wasn't it was <laughs> something about losing <laughs> losing the love of your life I, thought, I was like well they only just met so i don't think they're that deep. <laughs> <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I have no real notes on that. It's just it, music that was there. It sure was right. Okay, let's <laughs> uh, let's sum it up then. Let's let's talk conclusions. How do we feel about degeneration overall? Um, and actually, Jen, since you're a guest, why don't you start? And specifically, since we haven't covered Damnation and Vendetta, I don't necessarily. If they'd like to, people can say where they'd rank them all or whatever. But uh, Jen, since you're you're guesting, how does this sit amongst the CGI films for you? If you have a take on that, um, it, 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 I have kind of two different rankings for this. Mm. <laughs> um, as far as the stories go of the CGI movies, if we're just talking the CGI movies, I think it's probably the best story. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be up there at number one for me of all of the cgi movies it's the one that makes the most sense it's the one that's trying the hardest to kind of appeal to resident evil fans it's yeah it's got a solid little story i mean it's nothing groundbreaking but it's it's there it all makes sense and yay woohoo you did a good job so it would be number one story wise but characterization wise uh, (laughs) um yeah i mean i think let me think what would be my i'm not going to rank them all for you right here but i'm just thinking where i would put it characterization wise and everything else wise probably at like war Mm. It's not good. It's not mm, no. Um, and obviously, there's the limitations of the time, so that's that that works against it. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 not great. So yeah, but I've been, it's just again the dichotomy of this movie to me. Great story, not so great everything else. So yeah. fair. That's my ranking. Fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's certainly an odd one, and I think what makes maybe speaks to the wider series. Um, is that I would describe this up until recently to people as you know it's it's the best one of a bad bunch <laughs> which obviously I was quite positive about Death Island so I think that probably is my favourite one 
when it comes to pure popcorn fluff nonsense. But this is, you know, it's it's close enough for me. It's uh, sizably more interesting than the other two. I'll say that much, but we'll, we'll we'll get to those. But yeah, it's it's okay. I don't think it's bad. Certainly, um, there's a lot of decent stuff to take for, from it. Even though I think we've gone through this entire hour and a half, basically just calling it a complete mess. <laughs> but there are positives to take from it, even if most of them, yes, are Claire Redfield. Um, James, what's your final thoughts on Degeneration? Uh, despite everything, like I've said, I've like critiqued this this movie uh, over. It, I I I agree. It's still the best of the bunch when looking at the other CGI movies. Mm. I mean, like overall scoring. I mean, there are clearly leaders in other like sections, but I think overall it's the best of the bunch. Um, Capcom, they're always trying to like tap into into the potential of translating their games into movies and while this may have not hit the mark for me i can see the potential in it uh, maybe capcom can learn from all the bad mistakes of these movies and actually deliver something well received one day <laughs> <laughs> until then like a good capcom, capcom stan i watch every mistake they make <laughs> well said well said <laughs> and uh steve how do you feel about degeneration overall how can I follow up that? Like, oh man! Uh, I generally speaking, I know we've all ripped it anyone, but I think uh, enjoyably mid. Like, mm-hmm. there are there are a lot of things I don't like about this film, but then Claire's there and she's awesome, so that helps a lot, really. And I'm not even a Claire stan. I was like, yeah, she is, yeah, you know, brilliant, fantastic. Leon has apparently checked out, so I think. I think, you know, if you're not a Resident Evil fan, you can do the same, really. Like, <laughs> why are you listening to this podcast if you're not a Resident Evil fan? Absolute legend. I appreciate you. Get help. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> but no, uh, yeah. No, I, I don't hate it, but I certainly don't rate it. Nice. <laughs> well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors, our patrons, and our listeners. Join the First Age Bray Discord server to become part of our community and hear the show early and unedited. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. All of these links and all of our content can be found at fasprayPod.com. You can listen to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcasting apps. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review where you can and spread the good word. Don't forget you can support the show by picking up some merch or at patreon.com forward slash FA Spray Pod for as little as $1 a month. As previously alluded to in our next episode, we go back to the first season of First Aid Spray to revisit what was, at the time, a brand new game to see how we feel about it as it hits its first big anniversary. Join us as we celebrate five years of Resident Evil 2's remake. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of us individually. I'm at Siniac underscore 123. Steve at FB Steve was taken. James is on Blue Sky now now links in the description i've got to find an easier way to do that <laughs> and you can follow jen on twitter at jen von lee and finally thank you for listening and have a good week I also want to add a picture of what I am dealing with right now. Uh, where would I put this? There I'll is just a put it chat into... attached to the actual call, but this is what I've been dealing with the entire oh, time. If, if, um, if it's if it's Cato, put it in Pepix. Oh, also Pepix. Where are we? There we go. Everybody who's hung out through the chat all the way yes, through, I appreciate you all.
Somehow, me and Sonny are like going, "Yeah, FF7 really did." <laughs> he had a side, had well. a sidebar. Yeah, cat pick. Oh. This is what I, I've been dealing with this the whole time. Just been oh. on my lap. My lap, The little leg. My legs are dead. <laughs> 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 Silly bean. She just wants to be involved. Can Bean be your next guest? Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Did Every, you hear that Bean? Everyone... Oh, she left. <laughs> oh. oh, now she's got attention. She's going. I see how it is. Yeah. No, actually, no. So, no, no, no photos. No autographs, please. We we should have a we should have a, a podcast just pets. Just yes. Pets. Just purring, <laughs> purring for two hours. <laughs>